0: If you're sending money to church plants in India, and you hear of an earthquake in India, you're going to watch the news and you're going to pray fervently. If you're not giving money to church plants in India, when you hear about an earthquake in India, you probably aren't going to care unless you have family there, right? Come on, right? Our heart follows where we put our investments. Do you understand what I'm saying now? If you've invested everything in your career, that's, that's that's your possession. If it's your shoes, if it's your dog, if it's your sports, if that's all you care about is your football team, and you know everything about every player, how many goals they've kicked, how many times they can you know, do all that stuff, and how much money they're making, and that's where your heart is. Jesus said, what? Where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. And you see, it's just like a compass. When a compass always goes to true north, your heart follows your possessions. It follows what's more important. Amen? It could be Jesus. And some people might say, you know what, Pastor, I want a heart for missions. Let me tell you how to get a heart for missions. Put your money to missions. Go on a missions trip. Meet a missionary. Hear what they do. I mean, I, every time we have a missionary come out, they think, God, I'm called to the mission field. God, what can I do to help them? And I'm not called to the mission field. I'm called to this church. But our family gives to missions. And I, it's an honor to meet missionaries. And I think, Lord, what can we do to help missionaries? Where your heart is, your treasure will be. And if you want a mission's heart, you want to care for people, you've, you've got to actually invest something in them. Amen? You see, God isn't looking so much for donors. He's looking to see where your heart is. Amen? God doesn't need your stuff. He wants your heart. And where your treasure is, your heart will be. Come on, amen? You see, He wants people filled with vision for eternity that invest their time, their talents, and their treasures to further His kingdom. You see, the most important thing that we do on this earth is live for Jesus. And God's going to ask us when we get to heaven, how did you do with the people I put in your lives leading them to Jesus? Well, God, I was so busy watching the Denver Broncos, I never had time. God, I was so busy making money. I, I was taking care of my family and I was tithing in my church. And he said, that's good, but when did you lead someone to the Lord? God, I was so busy serving in the nursery. I was serving in the church, but, but I, I didn't have time to give to missions. And he said, that's fine, but when did you lead someone to the Lord as well? You see, God cares about our lives and what we invest our time and our talents and our choices. Amen? And so we got to say, God, put our hearts where you are. Amen? He wants also, listen to this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you in this. Being a good steward also, listen to this, includes taking care of your family and your personal needs as well. And I've seen two tragedies in this earth, and I've seen two tragedies of church people. I've seen one person or one group of people that they're so concerned about their possessions and, and they, they're making money and they, they take all their money and they, and they enjoy themselves and they neglect their kids. To the point that their kids hate them and their kids hate God. And they do it all in the name of God. And then I've seen on the other end where where they take all their godly, all their worldly possessions and they give it away to everyone and they neglect their kids. And their kids also hate God and they hate their parents because they gave their shoe money away. They gave their lunch money away. You gotta be a good steward. And if you can't take care of your family, and you're like, well, I'm taking care of the poor, but you're neglecting your family, God says you're an infidel. Did you hear that? God says that. And the same thing, if you're out going to every sporting event, or you're buying every purse, every bag, every car, and your kids are are just barely making it. I remember working in the restaurant as a cook. And there was a cook there, and he was older, and unfortunately he was divorced, and he had some habits And I remember him giving me his sob story. Well, I can't even afford... I mean, I was making like $3.35 an hour as a a short order cook. And he was crying, I can't even buy my daughter a birthday gift. And I said, dude, then stop smoking cigarettes for a month. Stop buying your beer every weekend and you can afford a gift for your daughter. You see how we live in this world? And so we get so caught up in this world, I can't do this. And God says, you can do all things... But you've got to be a good steward of everything. Amen? Put your heart in the right place. You see, another prince of Egypt in Hebrews eleven twenty-four 24-26, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Friends, we've got to let go of this world. This world is nothing compared to heaven. Amen? Where is your heart today? What kingdom do you belong to today? So let me move on to the next thing. Some roadblocks to giving. Luke twelve fifteen says, Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That is so against the world, isn't it? The world says the more stuff you have, the more important you are. Right? The world says the more money you have, the better your life is. I'm going to refute that in a moment. Letter A, the illusion. Here's one of the roadblocks to giving. The illusion that this earth is our home. Why is it hard to give? Well, sure, there's, there are some roadblocks like unbelief, insecurity, pride, adultery, desires for power and control. But I think probably the biggest setback The biggest roadblock to giving is the illusion that this earth is our permanent home. Here it is. Hebrews 11.13 says this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Now some of you, are, maybe you, you are from a foreign country and you're representing your country. You're, this is not your home. You're going to go back to your home. Children of God, this is not our home. Amen? We're going to go to our home eventually. Philippians 3.20 It says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11.16 Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is unashamed to be called their God. For listen, He has prepared a city for them. Isn't that exciting? God is preparing a place for us right now. We can we can choose to store up stuff here on the earth, where it's just going to go to waste, or we can choose to give it ahead. Amen. Suppose, listen to this. So suppose you're you're you're. Your home is Germany, okay? I love Germany. I love the food. I love the culture. I love the people. I love all countries, by the way. Did I mention I like food? I love all cultures. But but suppose your home is in Germany. You're visiting the United States for three months. And you're living in a long-term hotel. And you're told that you can't bring anything back on the plane with you. And so you would not fill your hotel room with expensive stuff, would you? What would you do? You would, and they said you could send your money to your bank. So you would begin to send everything you've earned and you would send it to your home in Germany, right? Or France or, or, or España or, or, or you know, wherever you're from. Portugal, wherever you're from. Okay? Right? You would not worry about yourself. You would, just, you would use what you needed to, to live while you were there and you would send it on ahead. And likewise, as Christians, we need to really have the same thing. This, this world is not our permanent home. Everything that we have on this earth is going to stay on the earth when we die. Did you know that? Remember King Tut? All that gold, all that possessions sat in that tomb for over 3,000 years. William Borden knew the secret and gave it ahead. I hope you and I can learn that same lesson. Amen? We need the same mentality. In fact, God is preparing a place for us. John 14 1 4, or 1 3 says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, listen to this, Jesus says, I will come back and take you to be with Me so that you may be there where I am. Isn't that awesome? Jesus is saying, Church, this is not your home. I'm making a better place for you. No crying. No terrorism, no sickness, no more injustices, no more no more lies, no more cancer, no more worries. He says, "I'm preparing a place. Don't get stressed about this world." Amen. Let her be the most toys. You've seen that bumper sticker. In fact, I remember seeing it just a couple of years ago. I was driving around here in Rockville, and and on the bumper sticker it said, "He who dies with the most toys wins." You've seen that bumper sticker? And I said to myself, "He who dies with the most toys still dies." Right? And no one, he doesn't get his toys in heaven because it doesn't work that way. And you see, all of our earthly possessions have an expiration date on them. That, remember, I mean, how you, you get that new car, right? I talked about this. My brother's a car salesman. You get the new car and you're out there and I'm, I've been like that. You parked farther away, right? Don't you hate that? You parked far and some guy still parks next to you. And you, you get your new car and you park it out there and you're like, man, I don't want any dents or scratches. And, and sure enough, that first day you, cause I've done it I've parked far. I'm going to get away from those goofballs over there. I've parked over there, you know, you get out and you hit your little like, bloop, bloop. You walk off all have, you go in the store and you come out and lo and behold, there's a guy parked like this far from your car. Like, what's going on? And you notice that when they went out, they kind of did that too. And I think God does that just to get me to say, that's just, it's nothing, Stan. Right? And I, I've sent plenty of cars to the junkyard, by the way, too. When they were new and exciting, and then like, then they're like, the transmission doesn't work, and I've, I've run a few down, and they're like, it's just a car. It's just a house. It's just a watch. It's just a job. Right? It's just money, right? It's just paper anyway, right? You can't take it with you. But you, you see, sometimes even your stuff will outlast you. And your kids are going to live. and They're going to pass on. But here, nothing's going to last forever. Second Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And all the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. So why stress about this world? Amen? Why stress about the toys that we leave behind? Why, why, why are we worried about it? Because we don't win, we lose if we waste all our time on the earth chasing after toys. Nothing wrong with toys. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with having a place to live. Nothing wrong with having nice clothes. Nothing wrong. And again, I love knowing that I can take my car and get in it and put, turn the ignition on and drive off. I like that. I like pulling into my garage when it's raining and storming or snowing, whenever we get snow, or, or whatever. I like that. I like going to my house and thank God for air conditioning, man. a Dios. Thank you that there's air conditioning. Thank you. And I love that I can go to my I love stuff, but I also know that the stuff's not going to last forever. And this world is not my home. Amen? And so he who dies with the most toys still dies. You see, this present life on earth is like a dot. He's going to change my batteries. Isn't that just like race car? NASCAR. Isn't that awesome? Martin's awesome. So, so think about this. Life is like a dot. I'm going to try to preach without my notes while he, maybe I can. Ignore the man over here, OK? Ignore the guy behind the curtain. No anyway. Um, and so, so imagine this: that your life is a dot. Do you guys have it? You guys have it? There's a dot. There's a red dot. You see the red dot? Your life is like a dot. And time and eternity is like that line, that arrow pointing into eternity. Your life is a dot on that thing of eternity. Thank you. Are we good to go?: Yes. Awesome. I love technology, too. Except when it fails, right? So, so this is your life. You're that dot. Can everybody see it? It's kind of hard to see it back there, okay? And, and what happens is sometimes people live for the dot instead of living for the line. And, and we, we try to... We're one dot... On eternity, I know it's kind of hard, but imagine that line stretching from from California past New York, and I mean, just beyond eternity. And just imagine, you're you're one little pencil dot on that line. That's eternity. That's life. And you see, we get so caught up in the dot. We try to push the dot. We try to stretch the dot. We try to fill the dot up. But you see, that dot ends. And you and I can't control where that dot goes. We were all born for such a time as this. And you see, we we live on, in fact, we're a dot on the dot earth. (laughs) Did you know that? And we get so consumed with this little dot on this dot earth, and we forget about eternity. You see, we should not live for the dot, but we should live for the line. We should live for eternity. We should put our things ahead, put our treasures ahead, because that's where it's going to go. Everything else is going to go to the junkyard. This microphone that Martin put, one day we're going to get rid of this thing. This body of mine, it's, I'm going to get rid of it. Thank the Lord, right? Some of you love your body. I try to take good care of it. I try, but this body is going to give out one day. I'm not living for this body. I'm living for eternity. I'm one dot on a dot. I'm not living for that. I'm living for eternity. Amen. I want you to live for the same. The, the third thing. Let her see possessions, obsession. PBS, a few years back, uh, aired a program called Affluenza, okay? Instead of the word Influenza, Affluence. They took the word Affluence and they joined it with Influenza and they made the word Affluenza, A-F-F-L-U-N, let me get it right, U-N-Z-A, Affluenza. And this was a a non-Christian thing and they said that they were addressing the modern day plague of materialism. PBS said this, do I have the, the quotes here or, or the, the um, stats? They said this, the average American shops six hours a week while spending 40 minutes playing with their children. By age 20, we've seen more than one million commercials. Recently, more Americans declared bankruptcy than graduated from college. In 90% of divorce cases, arguments about money play a prominent role. In fact, I have a friend who's, who's a lawyer, and, 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 his, and what he practices is civil courts, and he does a lot of uh, divorce things. And I was asking him, I said, so how is business? Is it actually kind of slow when the economy is down? Check this out, divorces went down. He said, people are sticking it out. So I, th- I thought about that, and I was thinking about this message, and I said, you know what? It seems that the more money and the better economy, marriages unravel. And people focus on stuff more than the relationship and stuff so more stuff is not conducive to a lasting marriage it causes more stress amen listen listen to what some of the wealthiest people of their day said w h vanderbilt he said this i have the quotes he said the care of 200 million dollars is enough to kill anyone there's no pleasure in it. some of you's like oh i'll try right but he said, because he experienced it, he said, it'll kill you. Listen to this. The next quote was from, from John Astor, which I believe the Astoria Hotel. And it just, he says, I'm the most miserable man on earth. Listen to what John D. Rockefeller, we talked about him, he said, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Andrew Carnegie says, millionaires seldom smile. Henry Ford, if you drive a Ford vehicle, I've driven one or two in my life, he said, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job than being a multi-millionaire. And how many times have we see people win the lottery and their life just went to pieces? They had nothing and then they had everything and then their, their life fell apart. You see, pilgrims travel light. Nothing makes a journey more difficult than a backpack filled with stuff that you really don't need. Amen? Travel light, friends. Travel. This earth is not our home. See, the problem is, is not the stuff. The problem is me. I like stuff. I'm, I'm telling you. I, I know you think I'm kidding, but I, I have to every Sunday morning when I see the Best Buy ad. I don't want to look at it, but I can't. I see the Home Depot ad. I get the ads for a new car. I, I, no, no, no. I don't need that stuff. Because that's what the world says, and that's what I want. I want more stuff. Because you see, the law of life is, the more stuff I have, I become a slave to that stuff. Amen? And I'm on the last point. Letter D is chasing the wind. Chasing the wind. And I'm not, I'm not making light of you if you are a millionaire, or a billionaire, or a thousandaire, or a 10 dollars or a 5 cents I'm not making fun of you. I've known and I know millionaires and they're, the, they're some generous people. You wouldn't know it by their lifestyle. But then I know some people, they're, so, they're, they're above their head in debt and they're trying to live the life, but they're not enjoying life. It's okay to have stuff, amen? It's okay to have money, but just don't let that stuff own you. So, chasing the wind. I've got to read this to you. Ecclesiastes 5. This was, this was written by the, at the time on earth, the wisest and most richest man on the earth. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? Verse 12. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, but whether he eats little or much, but with the abundance of rich man permits him no sleep. This is a man who understands this. Verse 13, I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the wh- harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he is, has a son, there is nothing left for him. Listen to what he says. Verse 15, Naked a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, he, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. This is from the wisest and richest man probably of all history. He understood that. He understood that affluence didn't satisfy him. He tried. He said he built guard. He did all this stuff. He tried all this stuff, but yet we're still fooled by it every day, aren't we? We watch the ads. We see that. We think, man, if I could just do that, in my life it would be better. It could, but your burdens are going to be heavier. You're going to be also held in a bigger account to God for the more stuff that you have. So be a good steward of it, amen. Because God will bless you for it. You see, listen, money can be invested or it can be wasted. If it's wasted, we are going to be held accountable for that. If it's invested, God's going to say, God bless you, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? I'm not talking just investments in the world. I'm talking about investing in people. You see, if, if, influenza, influenza, I'm sorry, if affluenza is a disease, what's the cure? If materialism is a poison, what's the cure? Well, here's what Paul the Apostle says in First Timothy. Do I have it? First Timothy verse sixteen, uh, chapter sixteen, verse seventeen through nineteen says this command, listen to what Paul says. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. See, you can enjoy life, it's okay. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this, they will they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. You see, you want to know you want to know the antidote to materialism. Giving, give, and it will be given back to you. The scripture, and I think I passed over, but the scripture says that that, that the more you give, the more you get back. And you shouldn't give to get you should say I just want to be like God. The Bible, Jesus said that. It says it will be like uh, pressed down, shaken, and poured over. You can't outgive God. Amen? But when you think you can, or you think you're going to hold on to it, you're just going to... Have you ever seen those shows, the hoarding shows? Do you see what society is doing to us? You don't need 500 hairbrushes. You don't need 10,000 tubes of toothpaste. Oh, but man, I'm saving so much money. I got all this stuff in case like there's a zombie apocalypse or, you know, there's a, the world ends. When the world ends, you're going to be dead anyway. Amen? You're going to be in heaven, hopefully. And all that money you wasted on toothpaste and, and stuff, missionaries could have used that in the field. The poor people on the streets could have used you taking those toothpaste tubes down to them with a toothbrush. And God is watching it. He'll say, you know what? You hoarded all that junk. Here's your reward in heaven. Here you go. And other people say, man, I just want to give it away. I don't need all this stuff. I need some for me, yes. But I'm going to give it away. And God's going to say, welcome. Here's your big reward. Manage a city because you managed toothpaste very well. Some of you kids, you think. Like, pfft. God is watching how we handle stuff. Amen? When Christ returns, will I be disappointed in what I spent my time, money, and my energy on? It's not just about money, but it's what time, it's what talents, what treasures that you you invest in. So the question is this. Are you living with eternity in mind? Would you stand with me this morning? Are you living with eternity in mind? or Are you stuck on this world? Does this world own you? Does your stuff own you? There's nothing wrong with this world. There's nothing wrong with stuff. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with, with wanting to have a better life. But don't let it own you. Amen? Live for eternity in mind. Because we're going to live in eternity. We're a dot on a dot on eternity. Amen? Father, help us to have an eternal perspective. We want to live a good life. I, I enjoy life. I enjoy my family. I love going on a vacation. I love going out to eat. I love, I love all the things that you've given us. But Lord, I don't love this world more than I love you. And so Lord, the, this, this affluenza, this, this, this world of greed always is seeping into my life. It's always telling me that I need more. I need to be like other people. Lord, I want to be like you. I want to have eternity in mind. And I want to know that when I stand before you one day, God, you're going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your reward. That, Lord, I've invested in my family, my friends, and my church. I've actively given whatever you've given me and poured it on to other people's lives because I am supposed to be a river, not a reservoir in life. And, Father, I want to know also, more importantly, not only did I do the work, but I led people to the kingdom of God. Because the more people who know about Jesus, the more people will be in heaven. So this morning, would you put eternity in all of our minds and our spirits this morning? Would you help us? Would you help us see that this world has nothing better than what Jesus can give us, that eternal life with the God, the Father, the Creator of the world, forever? Help us to see that. So, Lord, now help us to see that. Friends with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. I've got to do this this morning. Maybe you've heard me talk about this, Jesus. You've heard me talk about this eternity. You see, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never made Him the Savior of your life. And I want to give you an opportunity because, you see, eternity is a long time. And the Bible is very clear. It says that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the light, and no man comes to the Father except through me. You cannot go to eternity without having Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I want to give you this opportunity right now with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. You say, you know what, Pastor Stan, that's me. I don't want to waste my time on this earth. I want to know Jesus. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you want Him to be the Savior of your life, Would you just quickly raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to make Him the Lord of my life. Anyone want to do that? Raise your hand real quick and drop it down. Okay. Put your hands down. Now I want everyone to pray after me. We're going to do a prayer of salvation. You're committing your life to Christ now. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I accept my eternity with you. I don't want to live on this earth as a dot. I want to live... In eternity with you. So Jesus, I accept your salvation. I accept your ways. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. I am yours. You are my king. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Now don't leave yet, friends. I want more things. But if if you made that prayer for the first time, I want you to come to the front and I want you to grab one of these books. It says, The, the New Believer's Handbook. There are a couple of you raise your hands. I want you to come get this at, at the end of the service. I, I want to talk to you if you want or you want to take one of those. I want you to do that. And here's the last thing, friends. God is calling us to live for Him with eternity. And I'm going to ask you again. I'm not going to call anyone to the front. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads again. I just want to pray with you, okay? Bow your heads and close your eyes one more time. I want a couple a couple prayer things right now. Some of us need God to help us to stop thinking that this world is all that we have. And God is speaking to you during this sermon. He's been speaking to you. And, and you think that this world is all there is and you want to know that there's an eternity to you or you want to live for that eternity. If that's you and you want to be free of temporary living, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. This world is not my home. Come on, raise your hand up real quick. This world is not my home. Put your hand up. Put your hand down. Father, for my friends, raise your hand and say, that, Lord, let them realize this world is not our home. Yes, we can enjoy it. Yes, we should enjoy it. But this is not where we're going to end up, Father. We're going to end up in eternity with you. Let us put our our lives ahead. Let us invest for the future. In Jesus' name, now still friends with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. A couple more things. Some of us in this room need to be set free from materialism, for affluenza, for chasing after possessions. And if that's you, would you say, that's me. I need to stop chasing after things. I want to chase after God. Would you quickly raise your hand? Quickly raise your hand. Say, that's me. I want to stop chasing after things. I want to chase after God. Hands up, hands down, hands down. Father, for my friends that raise your hands, let us again realize that true pleasure is in you, Lord God. And so, Lord, let us realize that things of this world are not going to last in eternity. King Tut died and all his stuff was buried for 3,000 years. All the stuff that we invest in, it's going to just be here on the earth. We'll make it to heaven. And we want to make our investments in the kingdom of God. Help us to be free of that. And then the last thing, last thing is this, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, some of us still, we're tied into the citizenship of this world. The citizenship of this world. And this earth is not our home. We're, we're, we're more concerned about politics. We're more concerned about race. We're more concerned about our job. We're more concerned about our life on this earth. And we're only passing through. And, you, and you're saying, I want to live as an alien and a stranger. This world doesn't own me. God owns me. If that's you, would you just quickly resist that's me. I want, I want God to own me. I don't want this world to own me. I don't want politics to own me. I don't, I don't want race to own me. I don't want things. I want the world to not own me. I want to be owned by God. Put your hands down. Father, for us, let us realize that we are only travelers. We are travelers passing through and this world is not our home, God. And Lord, we're not owned by a political party. We're not owned by a race. We're not owned by a culture. We're not owned by a religion. We are bought with a price and his name is Jesus Christ. He is our Savior and he died for us. And so, Father, we give you lordship of our lives and help us to focus on the next world as well. Now, Lord, is my last prayer. I pray blessing on everyone in this room. Help us to be good stewards of the things you give us. Our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, our possessions, our time, the resources. Let us be good stewards of it. Let none of those things own us. But let us just be good stewards of those so that we can eat, get our eternal reward, God. That you're going to say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your reward. That's what I long for more than anything else. So I pray that longing in everyone else in this room. Now, bless the rest of our days. We go to the picnic, or some go home, Lord, or go off. What they do today, Lord? Bless us so we can be a blessing to those around us. All of us say, Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. If you've got to leave, if you're going to go to the picnic, come with us. There's some maps. 1 o'clock. We need some help moving some stuff over. Help us out. God bless you. Say hi to somebody you don't know. Suicide on my mind. It's kind of one of the family histories in my, in my family. My grandfather committed suicide just recently. I don't know about you, but I I was dead.